Hi, everybody. Art Kelly here. I'm the host of the Friendmaker podcast, and I want to share with you a little bit of exciting news. I've been talking about it for the last several weeks, and it is finally out. The Seven Spheres of a Friendmaker, How to Build a Business on Friendship, is now available in the Amazon store. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy a paperback copy and a Kindle copy. I've also been working on an audio version of this that I hope to have out in the coming weeks. But just so that you can have a little taste of that, today I want to share with you the first two chapters of my book. There's an introduction and a little special part about how to read this book. All of that stuff is combined. So I've put all that stuff in an audio version on this podcast today, and I hope that you enjoyed it. The Seven Spheres of a Friendmaker, How to Build a Business on Friendship, by Art Kelly. But I have called you friends, Jesus of Nazareth. Introduction. In the year 1493, one year after Christopher Columbus discovered what we now know as the Caribbean Islands, he happened upon a new, exotic, and sweet delicacy, the pineapple. These delicious and unique fruits boomed in popularity as pineapples were brought to the United States and Europe, crowning both meals and doorposts as symbols of both friendship and hospitality. The popular pineapples gained steam throughout the 15th and 16th centuries and even made their way to the tables of European royalty, where some pineapples were known to go for as much as $8,000 per fruit. Back in New England, through the giving and receiving of this magnificent fruit, a new tradition formed. Whenever a party or dinner was being thrown by a host, they would often put a pineapple on the front gate or fence of their home as a symbol of welcome to guests stopping by. Thus, the pineapple became a symbol of friendship in the homes of communities all over the New World. Friendship, it turns out, is what this book is all about. Friendship transcends nationality, religion, race, and gender. In our day and age, friendship is needed more than ever. It's needed in our neighborhoods, it's needed in our homes, it's needed in our marriages, and it's needed in our businesses. So much of our world relies upon the buying and selling of goods, the trading and sharing of services, and the practice of business. This is a book about how to become the kind of person other people want to do business with. It's a book about learning how to reestablish the link between being a business person and being a friend to those you serve. As I was thinking about how to write this book, it occurred to me that the best way to share these principles, or spheres, of friendship is to use the symbol of the pineapple. No other symbol better communicates the power of doing life and business in a way that embraces these critical ideas of both hospitality and friendship. As you read the following pages, I encourage you to keep in mind the spirit of friendship that symbolizes what we as a people, a nation, and a community of people in business are to be all about. You will see this symbol throughout this book, and I hope it serves as a reminder of the journey we are on, that of making friends and dwelling in these spheres of friendship. What I write in Friendmaker is not complex. In fact, these ideas are simple but powerful, and I believe they will help anyone who owns a business learn how to build the right kind of foundation for their work. I hope that as you read, you will remember that what got you into business wasn't just money or profits, power or prestige, but people. 
If your business exists to help people, then I would submit to you that authenticity and trust and friendship with those you serve is foundational to all that you do. As you read, I hope you will accept this as my offering of friendship with you as well. This book, in many ways, is just like that pineapple. I want to welcome you into the idea that you can mix business and friendship and that you can give your business as a metaphorical pineapple to everyone your work touches. How to read this book. Every pineapple has basically three parts, the crown, the skin, and the core. As you read this book, it is important to understand that there are three parts, the problem, the story, and the friendmaker workshop, as illustrated in figure one. This brief explanation of how to read this book should be helpful. Part one, the crown or the problem. I begin the book by briefly outlining the crowning problem of practicing business detached from humanity. In this first part, I challenge the modern assumption that it is a bad idea to mix business and friendship. This book seeks to challenge that idea, rearrange a few things about it, and present a way forward that I call friend-making. Yes, I know. It seems almost juvenile to suggest that the way forward could be so simple. I'll submit to you that not only is it possible to mix business and friendship, it is also the best way to do business. The only caveat I have is this. You must become the kind of person who can handle the responsibility of it. This book is a challenge for you to become a person of integrity. It's not popular to hold people to a higher standard. For whatever reason, it seems that it is easier to not care about your clients, to practice business in an impersonal way, and to never risk relationship with those you serve. I hope to be a voice in the wilderness of the business world, challenging my fellow businessmen and women to carry the mantle of friendship into their workplaces and create something better with our businesses. Part 2. The Skin or the Story I've chosen to write this book as a story. I have learned that it is often through story that we learn our greatest lessons. Life comes to us in story form. And sometimes the best way to really gain understanding about complex subjects is through a good story. The second part of the pineapple, or the skin of this book, is the story of Nolan Victor, a middle-aged father and husband who is beginning his journey as a businessman. By using story, I hope to put some flesh on the ideas that will be developed in the workshop section of the book. In the story, Nolan is a real estate agent, but anyone reading his story should be able to draw parallels between Nolan's story and their own entrepreneurial business journey. Any business person can use the principles in this book to help them become a friend maker in their respective industry. Though the names and details of the characters in this story have been changed, I modeled Nolan's story after my own. Most of what you will read in this book comes from my own lived experiences, emotions, highs and lows, and successes and failures. This story is deeply personal to me because I have lived it over the past 20 years of trying and failing at various businesses and then ultimately succeeding in my real estate business for the past several years. The story will give you a connecting point with Nolan's frustrations and confusion at the beginning of his business journey. But then, Nolan meets a sage-like character who invites him to a workshop that transforms his business and his personal life. Part 3 the core, the Friendmaker Workshop. Part three is the core of the book. It is the eight-session workshop that Nolan attends to learn how to become a friendmaker in business. He joins several other business owners who are along for the journey. 
This is so you can see that the ideas presented in the book are not industry-specific, but transferable to a wide range of industries. Real estate was the natural choice for me as the starting point for Nolan because it's what I do for a living. I truly believe the principles of the seven spheres of friend-making shared by Nolan's coach can be learned and lived by anyone. These principles are reproducible in the lives of the people you have on your team, and they are about teaching something more than just sales skills and items to check off your daily list. There are plenty of sales strategies and systems designed to help you stay accountable to communicating outwardly with your prospective clients, keep you in touch with your past clients, and provide solid customer service to those you serve. That is not what this book is about. This is a book about being, not necessarily doing. Our culture spends a lot of time, energy, and effort on teaching us how to be more productive. The highest value, it seems, in the business world is not what kind of people we are, but how efficient and productive we are. While we cannot argue with the fact that every business needs to know how to be efficient and productive, I would like to encourage you to consider that it doesn't matter how productive your people are if they aren't becoming better people. It is the opinion of this author that better people make better businesses, not the other way around. Being versus Doing Mike Breen, in his groundbreaking book, Building a Discipling Culture, wrote about a rhythm of life illustrated by what he calls life shapes. These life shapes are visual illustrations to help us understand the way that life works. With this in mind, I would like to direct your attention to the figure of the semicircle. As you can see from this graphic, life moves in a rhythm of being and doing. Traditional models of business tend to teach us that our value comes from what we produce or create, in effect, what we do. While there is much value in being able to produce and create goods and services, what matters more is the person we are, our identity. Who we are becoming matters because it is from our identity that our productivity flows. Who we are greatly influences what we do. And that is the main focal point of this book. We must live or dwell in spaces where our identity, our character, and our integrity are being developed so that we can be the kind of people we need to be for our families, our clientele, our business partners, and our community. The arrow pointing to the semicircle is like a pendulum that swings back and forth. After we spend time working on our identity each day, we then swing the pendulum back to our activity. This swinging back and forth between who we are and what we do is meant to be a rhythm of life that we move in and out of. Because our activity needs to flow from who we are, we can keep ourselves from being defined by our activity by intentionally spending time nurturing, nourishing, cultivating, and curating our inner being. This requires rest. Far too many people in business and in life run themselves ragged trying to prove to all the people in their life who they are by how much they are doing. While it is important for us to create, produce, and act, sometimes it is more important for us to take a step back and reevaluate why we are creating, producing, and acting so much. This book is about rest, resting in the seven spheres of a friend maker. It is in understanding these spheres that you will be able to see how to interact with people so that you can truly put others first and become a friend maker. Part 1. The Crown. The Problem. You want to know who your friends are? Start your own business and ask for their support. Steve Jobs. All lasting business is built on friendship. 
Alfred A. Antiper. Never mix business and friendship. Popular business proverb. Chapter 1. The Problem We've Created. You've heard it a thousand times. Never mix business and friendship. I've known too many people who've lost some of their closest relationships due to business deals gone sour. Casualty after casualty of business people crashing and burning in their relationships has caused a rift in public opinion about whether you should ever do business with your friends or family. American business magnate John D. Rockefeller once said, a friendship founded on business is better than a business founded on friendship. Well, whether he meant to or not, by making that statement, Rockefeller placed the value of profits above relationships with people. In the grand scheme of life and business, it seems that the answer to the question, is it a good idea to mix business and friendship, is an emphatic no. But this is a problem. The knee-jerk reaction in the business world to this kind of negative experience has created a gaping hole. So much business done in America now has become impersonal, disconnected, and non-relational for the average consumer. People have gotten used to poor service, diminished quality, and less satisfaction with the purchasing of goods and services. The result is that we distrust salespeople. A vast segment of our population believes that salespeople only want to use them as commodities to get what they want. Steve Shapiro, the author of Listening for Success, tells us that most people believe that sales is about getting people to do something that they don't want to do. Because of this definition of what sales is, and a lack of awareness of what salespeople actually do, we have a general public that is afraid to trust anyone who bears the name salesman. What's worse, salespeople themselves do not even wish to be called salespeople anymore. Business professionals want to distance themselves from the word sales because of the negative connotation. The truth is that if you are in business and you are providing goods or services to the public for a price, which they have to pay for, then you're in sales. It was Thomas J. Watson, the former CEO and chairman of IBM, who once said, nothing happens until someone sells something. In a nation where consumers spend on average $25 billion a day purchasing goods and services, I would say that somebody is in the sales business and business is good. This negative attitude towards sales professionals has become a major issue for the average consumer, and many business owners have fallen prey to this attitude as well. Community business owners often don't trust other business owners who provide the same goods and services they provide. They've moved from an environment of healthy competition between businesses to an environment of fear and a scarcity mindset. Many people believe that there isn't enough business out there for all of us, there is fear that they will end up broke and homeless if they do not scrap and fight to keep their piece of the market. This causes anxiety, stress, and fear to break in, and it heavily influences much of our modern business practice. As a result, this causes business people to look to more impersonal means and methods to gain new business. This has never been more apparent than in the service industries of real estate, mortgage lending, financial advising, and insurance. One doesn't have to look very far in the social media or email marketing world to discover that there are a thousand different companies selling supposed leads to willing and impressionable salespeople who feel like they are missing out on the latest business-generating gimmicks. 
This rise of large corporations that feed on the anxiety, stress, and fear of business owners is evidence that the problem is real and is getting worse. Salespeople are easy fodder for these corporations because they believe that by paying these corporations or social media giants for these leads, they will get a good return on their investment. While some may find success with these methods, others get swallowed up by the lead generation machine. What they don't know is that the leads they are paying for are the same leads the other agents down the street are paying for. And the dirty little truth about the leads? They aren't often actually leads. They are impressions, clicks, and inquiries from mostly tire kickers, potential buyers, or just curious consumers. Far too often, they are not qualified leads. They have to be converted into qualified leads, which requires definite tactics and strategies to convince people to use them as their trusted advisor. What was once personal has become impersonal. What was once human has become machine. What was once small-town America has become big-box corporate America. I want to advocate for a different way of obtaining and sustaining business. We haven't mixed business and friendship, and look where it's gotten us. This is a large reason why businesses fail. And this is the problem that we face in our current cultural marketplace. There is an over-dependence on impersonal ways and means to get and keep business. Another way. Friendmaker is about finding another way. In this book, I challenge the notion that you can't mix business and friendship. I want to suggest that instead of moving away from people, we begin moving toward them. And we must do it in a way that communicates to them that we don't want to use them as commodities for our own personal gain. Now, I must admit that many of these ways of obtaining business that I have described do work. And I'm not debating whether you should use these means to get work. Every business should have a digital footprint, a social media presence, a website, and other kinds of digital marketing strategies. If you want to spend your money on leads, then feel free. It's not wrong to do that. And sometimes they do work. I'm simply suggesting that we stop relying only on impersonal means to develop businesses of personal relationships. Ultimately, when a recession hits or when the economy takes a downturn, the pay-for-lead systems will not always be a reliable safety net for entrepreneurs who are in need of sustainable and consistent business. It will be in the relationships that they have or have not developed. Your business will rise or fall on this truth more than any lead generation strategies you may have learned. Whatever you do in business, you must always be in the business of building relationships. Friendmaker is about building authentic, sustaining relationships with your clients and your strategic partners in the communities where you live. It's about opening your ears and heart to people so that you can serve them better and help them to truly get what they want. Motivational speaker Zig Ziglar once said, You can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. It seems so simple, but it really is true. Help enough people, serve enough people, empower and value enough people in your life, and you will not have to worry about how you are going to take care of your own. This is not a book about a secret or some kind of magic formula that you can put in place to make a million dollars. It's not a promise that the stars will align perfectly for you if you only become friends with people. You must still work hard at your job. People must know that you have the competence and ability to help them get what they want. You must be very good at what you do. 
Making friends with people doesn't negate the importance of being a skilled professional on every level of your business. But before you can practice the work that you do, you have to learn how to become the kind of person that others want to do business with. That is what this book is all about, and it begins with the story of Nolan Victor. Part 2. The Skin. The Story. Story. An epic. Something hidden in the ancient past. Something dangerous now unfolding. Something waiting in the future for us to discover. Some crucial role for us to play. John Eldridge. Chapter 2. Where Do I Begin? Where do I begin, thought Nolan as he stared at the piece of paper in front of him. The state seal at the top of the page confirmed it. He was officially a licensed businessman. After three months of classes, a grueling test, and a few sit-down interviews with different real estate brokers in his community, Nolan Victor finally had his license and was ready to begin. There was so much information about how to become a good real estate agent, and he had already spent almost $3,000 on the front end to get to this point. Now he sat in his car, completely ignorant of what to do next. His new broker, Region's Best Realty, had a great training program for new agents, and theirs was one of the most successful brokerages in the community. The best names in the business came out of Region's Best, but he still felt like somebody had dropped a pile of Legos in his lap and told him, go make this contraption, without giving him the instruction manual. He had all the pieces. He had a brokerage to fly his flag under, his business cards with Region's Best were on order, he had his real estate license, he was a member of his local association, now he just needed the instruction manual. He needed a roadmap. Looking around, though, he just couldn't seem to get there. The world of business was full of noise and lots of advice. Everywhere he looked, Nolan found information on everything from how to purchase leads to getting coaching, which was too expensive for anyone just starting out, to how to negotiate the deal. The list of subjects in real estate was long and exhausted, not to mention exhausting, there were real estate gurus who spoke at national conferences about how to generate your own leads, how to create a digital footprint, how to advertise your business to stand out above the crowd, how to build your business by referrals, how to recession-proof your business. You name it. If it could be talked about, there was an industry expert that could give him the keys to success. Somewhere out there, it seemed, there was a silver bullet, a magical formula that Nolan could put into practice that would propel him and his business to the top. But finding an instruction manual on where to start and how to begin putting the proper practices into place was so difficult to do. And he was left questioning, where do I begin? The dilemma. It was about this time that Nolan ran into Scott Rich. Scott had been the top-selling agent at Regions Best Realty for the last five years. With consistently over 75 contracts a year his first five years in the business, Scott was the featured speaker at this year's State Realty Conference. It seemed that everything Scott touched turned to gold. Nolan quickly composed himself as Scott pulled up to the office in his brand new all-black Tesla Model 3. It was sleek. Scott was sleek. Nolan felt, well, not sleek. Nolan knew this guy was way out of his league. Scott got out of his car grabbed a folder of something important, and walked into the office. Nolan knew Scott, with his sunglasses still on and his custom-fit leisure suit, wouldn't give him the time of day. He was always busy handling some new contract from some connection he had. No time for the common real estate agent. He was a rock star. 
Besides, it was cold calling hour this morning where the few and the proud new agents hopped on the company's phones and tried cold calling real estate leads for an hour in hopes that they could get an appointment and grab up some business to get something on the map. Scott Rich has long since paid his dues on this stuff, I'm sure, Nolan murmured to himself. Now he's tromping all over the globe, living the good life. Every once in a while, Nolan would catch a glimpse of Scott's life on social media. Most of the time, Scott was off with his gorgeous wife on some exotic vacation in Africa, Maui, or some island in the Caribbean. Today, he just happened to be in town working on something with his brokers at Regions Best. Scott was young, maybe 27. How is it that somebody that young can get to be so successful, thought Nolan. Little did he know, he was about to find out. The Brokerage Bursting out of the broker's office in a fitful rage, Scott Rich stomped out not five minutes after he had pulled in. He yelled out something about his father and hopped into his Tesla and with a quiet screech zoomed out of the parking lot. Nolan and the two other agents in the office looked at each other. Their brokers, Al and Jane, stepped out of the office and both looked blankly out the window into the parking lot. There goes our star agent, said Al under his breath. Jane, his wife and co-broker, sighed a heavy sigh and walked back into their office. Something big had just happened, but Nolan had no idea what it was. Al and Jane were great folks. They had built a business of great magnitude in their community from the ground up 40 years ago. They were some of the best agents in town, and Nolan knew he had a good place to get his start. The only problem with Al and Jane, he found, was that though they had been successful in business, they had struggled as a brokerage to maintain people because they just weren't great teachers. They were good at doing business. They knew how to operate the transactions and get people from contract to close with little to no problems. Even though every real estate transaction is different, Al and Jane had somehow managed to streamline the experience for their clients, and that was what had attracted Nolan and many other agents to their business. They had great resources and marketing materials for their agents, and they really did care about the success of their office. But Al and Jane suffered from what many successful business people suffer from. They had an inability to pass on the knowledge they had gained in business through practical teaching or hands-on coaching. They were happy when some people took to the business naturally, but didn't really know how to teach or train the other agents how to get their boat in the water and start paddling without sinking the ship. The Bistro Nolan finished up his cold calls from the list the brokers had given him and decided it was time to take a mid-morning coffee break at the Bistro. The Bistro was a local coffee shop Nolan liked to frequent due to its quiet atmosphere and inexpensive but tasty coffee. Nolan often worked on his social media profile and sent out his weekly, if you need someone to help you buy or sell a home, give me a call, real estate pitch online. By the way, those posts hardly ever work, but an agent can spend an hour on social media sites posting and interacting with their online contacts, thinking he or she is really working. Sometimes it worked, but most of the time, Nolan found out later, social media methods have to be much more unique and skillfully crafted than just putting out a request for people to use your services. A few minutes after he walked in the door, Fran Lee, one of the agents in his office, came in and sat down across the room from him. Fran was a peach. She knew everyone in town and was on the leaderboard at their office. But there was something very different about Fran's way of doing things that Nolan had always liked. She waved and came over to Nolan's table while waiting for her coffee. Hey, Nolan. How's it going, friend? It's great, Fran. I'm just working on some of my digital footprint stuff. Got to get the word out about what I'm doing in this city, right? The new wave of social media advertising methods had really captured Nolan's attention. Everyone was doing it. He figured he'd better hop on the bandwagon before he missed out. 
That's a great place to start, Nolan. Back when I started in the business 25 years ago, we didn't have stuff like the internet and social media. What I could have done back then with the tech we have now. You keep doing what you're doing. Some things are different now, but some things stay the same. He wondered what she meant by that. Fran was reminiscing, but then she got really serious. I'm sure you saw what happened at the office a little bit ago. I'm sorry you had to see that. It's been a long time coming, and I want you to know that I think it's probably for the best. What happened, Fran? I've never seen Scott so angry, said Nolan. Well, what a lot of people don't know about Scotty Rich is that his uncle is president of Region 1 Mortgage here in town. For years, Scott has kept his relationship with his uncle under lock and key, but most of his business for the past five years has come from his uncle's business dealings. Because Region 1 is the largest local lender here in town, it's been around for a long time. And because it's well-connected with the city's leaders, builders, and other community officials, Scotty has had a steady stream of business coming to him from his uncle. Evidently, something has changed in his uncle's office that has him quite upset. Nolan found himself a little relieved as he heard this from Fran. Fran quickly and quietly said, I've said too much. Forgive me. I'm not a gossip, I promise. I just wanted to encourage you as a new agent to not let folks like Scotty intimidate you. Sometimes people swoop into this business and build an empire quickly, but it's not always sustainable, especially if they haven't done the most important things first. With that, Fran heard the barista call her name. With a quick, good luck, she sauntered back to her side of the coffee shop and sat down with an older gentleman in a baseball cap and an old jean jacket. He recognized the man as Dave Sawyer, a well-known businessman in town. Nolan didn't know how to process what he'd just heard. The question that had been rolling around in his mind about rapid successes in this industry was quickly finding its answer in Scott Rich. It seemed that Scott Rich's success was not exactly as great as it looked from a distance. He had encountered people like Scott his entire life. He had always wondered about those people who seemed to be exceptionally successful in business and why it seemed that so few had ever reached the top of their industry. He was beginning to wonder if that would ever be his story. Nonetheless, Nolan had learned a valuable lesson from this interaction with Fran. Success is more than a quick rise to the top. Thanks again for listening to the Friend Maker podcast, and I hope that you've enjoyed that. If you would like to get a copy of that, again, go to Amazon. You can find it on there today. Just just um, search Friend Maker. You'll be able to find it pretty quickly. Also wanted to tell you a little bit about something that I'm doing for businesses and specifically for those that are in the service industries. If you are a broker for a real estate office, a mortgage office, an insurance office, or a financial services, financial coaching, financial advising, anybody in these services, I would love to come and speak to your team. I'm looking for opportunities over the next year to be able to share this message of how to dwell within the seven spheres of a friend maker. And I would love to come and share this with you and your people and teach you guys how to dwell in the seven spheres. We need to start learning how to listen to our clients better, how to learn who they are and what makes them tick, how to like them and respect them more, how to show loyalty by advocating strongly for them, to leap for them by taking risks, to lead them by serving them, and to love them by caring for them long after the sale. This is an important aspect of anything that we do in business, and I just want to encourage you, if you're not doing these things with your clients, you're missing the main point of what it means to be a friend maker in business. 
So if you'd like to have me come, I'd encourage you to go to friendmaker.org forward slash speaking. And you can go there and book and all that kind of stuff. Just communicate with me there. And then finally, I'd also like to throw out to you the idea of a survey. So I have this little thing called the Seven Spheres Survey. As we start getting into the seven spheres of a friend maker, as you start learning more about them, you might want to understand where do you fit in this whole paradigm? What is your strength? Do you listen well? Do you learn folks well? Do you like your clients well? All this kind of stuff. If you go to friendmaker.org forward slash survey, you can actually go there and you can learn a little bit more about yourself. So just take the survey. And anyhow, guys, that's about all I've got today. Thanks so much again for listening. Uh, We will be back. So stay tuned.